Welcome to the Hired by Passion podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Richard, and I will be interviewing artists and entrepreneurs on how they were able to escape the 9 to 5 and turn their passion into an income. Hello and welcome to the Hired by Passion podcast. I have a great interview for you today. Known by many as one of the top drummers in Canada, I see him as the Acadian Dave Grohl. I have with me Danny Bourgeois. Danny is grateful to be living his dream by living off of his music and his craft, and he will no doubt do so for a long time. Today, he is the proud owner of Pumpkin Patch Recording Studio in Memorancourt, New Brunswick, where he is an accomplished recording engineer, producer, as well as a session drummer. And for the first time, live on location, that's where we recorded the Hired by Passion podcast. You would think that recording in the studio, you would have great quality, but unfortunately, I didn't really know how to use my recorder as well as I thought I did, so the levels were a bit off. It does sound a bit wonky, but I think you get used to it fairly quickly. So without any further ado, here is Danny Bourgeois. I'm here with uh, Danny Bourgeois, and uh, I wanted to talk to you because you've done so much and you've been able to live from your passion for a while now. So I'd like to ask you, uh, first off, like I ask everyone else, if you meet someone for the first time and they ask you, what do you do? What's your answer to that? For me, I, I guess a musician's my first instinct. Why I'm doing this since I was a kid was obviously to, to play music. So that's always my go-to answer. Yeah. I'm a musician and, you know, a lot of people say, what? You live from being doing that? You know what I mean? That's always a kid. that big question mark that surrounds, you know, the, the life of as a musician at the end of the day it's like okay well you know so what's it's always you always get that feeling so what's your re- then what's what's your other job exactly and you People, must you must yeah. get that a lot oh or- all the time you know what i mean or if they don't come out and say it, you feel that way you know what i mean i think it's just kind of the the, the cliche or the uh, the stereotype of perspective on a musician it's always i guess it's always perceived it's like oh well, it's a hobby so obviously you know so what do you do to really make a living and earn and earn some money to you know to live you know it's always the question right but it's always nice to it's like no this is this is what i do you okay. know yeah so how did that dream start i know that you've been playing music for a long time and did you think that you were going to be able to make a living from music when you were growing up i don't think really early on as was it a dream to be able to you know wake up every day and, and actually do music and, and earn a living from it for sure it was always a dream obviously starting was it was just a passion to play i just loved music it was around the house a lot obviously with uh, my family being very musical so for me it was it was a given in a sense like i, I gotta do this because i want to do it and i enjoyed it and i like being around uh, musicians and jams and you know whatever family parties that were going on where there was music going on but i think as the more you uh you grow and you, and you you indulge into starting to you know do gigs and then you're, you're making a bit of money off of doing gigs you know you know it, it definitely starts opening up doors like well geez i wonder if i could you know do this more full time yeah but that came on later on in life for sure because i started very young obviously at the age of five is when i got my first drum kit could i play not really good it took a good year and a half for me to probably even play a drum beat where my brother could actually play and they thought they bought the drum kit for the wrong kid but anyways <laughs> beyond that it was it was just for the passion of just doing music so it came a little later on obviously where the dreams start kind of getting in and say like, okay well you know i'd really like to do this as living and obviously at a young age obviously too in your teens obviously we all wanted to be rock stars because exactly. we, we had people that we idolized yeah. and bands that we looked up to and and for me you know it's like i want to do that so for me it was like you know van halen and kiss and all these bands that i was into and we looked up to them you know in a sense of like that's life i want to do i want to be able to play and tour the world and and see things and and, and live from you know your passion i mean that's always uh, that's always key i think at the end of the day so do you remember a time where it kind of clicked for you it's like wait this might work out <laughs> 
I think once it started, you know, obviously when you're getting going, you get your bands and your teens and stuff like that. So obviously it's more of a band thing. I think once it started getting to the point where the phone would ring for somebody that needed a drummer, I wasn't part of their band or whatever the case may be, but somebody needed a filling in for me. I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to, they're going to hire me to go play a gig, not necessarily join a band, but just go play a gig because either their musician can't do the show and for circumstances or whatnot, but you're like, okay, cool. So you're going to learn material and, and get paid for it. But it was kind of like the more of that I started doing it and also once you start you know playing in different styles so you aren't just playing rock so you might get called for country gig or you might get called for a rock gig or pop gig or whatever so i started noticing in my head i'm thinking well the more diversified i can be musically obviously is going to be key because if i just stay on one path and just do that well that's fine like let's say i want to be a rock star and i want to be the lead singer of a band and i'm a rock singer that's one thing but as a musician it started clicking with me that you know to i could you know maybe earn a living as long as i could be versatile and and be able to adapt in different situations so depending whatever the style of music whatever called for and be open to learn that and do the work that you know that hey baby i could do more of it you know where if you're just in one band well if that band's not playing you're not working so my faith was uh, of playing or doing music was also relied and dependent on the other musicians i was playing with so let's say the other musician didn't feel they playing this weekend he wanted the weekend off but i'm gun ho i want to play i want to work you're, you're kind of at the mercy of, well, if two guys want to do it, the other two don't, well, I guess we're going to be off, you know? So being higher, like I said, getting the phone calls is more of like a higher gun kind of thing. I almost felt like I, I felt more in control of how much I wanted to work. If I wanted to work and do 300 shows a year, then I would make myself available to do that. If I want to play less, then I can play less. But I, I felt I had more control of that destiny, you know and I mean? So, and, and also kind of open up the door of like what direction I wanted to go with. So I know that you started playing very early on. You were yeah. being a studio musician when you were 13, 14 years old, right? Yeah, it's first- just getting my first, yeah, my first little sessions, yeah. So when you were in high school, were you planning a career? Were you thinking of going to study something? Or were you thinking at that point that, no, I'm going to be a musician for my career? No, I, yeah, definitely for sure. I want to be a musician. It's guaranteed. That was that was embedded. Like at that, by that point in high school, it's for sure like, I just want to do music. Obviously, when I got home from school, I, it wasn't studying. And, you know, I don't I don't encourage kids not to study. But but it was just it was just such a passion just to, to play and, and learn and just absorb it. Take it all in. So, you know, that's it was day and day, day and night for me. It was just it was just always surrounded by music all the time, you know, so. And you grew up in a, a musical family. So, I, yes, I imagine that they were fairly supportive of you or did they know what it was like to be a musician <laughs> yeah, and exactly. say, no, you have to go to university, you yeah, have to go to college. Exactly. Well, yeah, because my dad's a phenomenal guitar player and, and a fabulous musician and still you know he had his share of touring in his 20s and and all that stuff and obviously you know had us you know me and my brother as kids so obviously you know he held that job on top of you know doing music so but they're all supportive but in a, in a sense of like okay well, if this is what you guys want to do that's great but never discourage you know the fact of like you may want to plan b or that kind of thing what most parents would i mean i got two kids too so i want to you know depending what path they're going to take later on in life is all i want to make sure that their education is there too I'm not going to discourage them in, in, in doing their passion. And, and it worked too as a, as a leveraging too, because if ever I failed that something, either math course or, or English course, it was easy for me to bring up my notes. My parents would just say, okay, you're putting away your drums. And until your notes start coming, going up, then they're going to stay put away. So it was kind of the music was still leveraging <laughs> for them to kind of say, look, you either got to bring up your notes or, you know, you're, you're just not going to be able to play because we were putting away and they knew how much I loved it. So, and it worked sure enough, you know, yeah. get back to studying again and get back into, at the end of the day, I wanted to do well so yeah. I could actually get my drum kit back and All start right. playing, you know, so <laughs> sure. geez, they did that many times when I was 10 and 12 years old, guaranteed. Oh yeah. They still valued education, even if oh, you were sh- totally. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't go to university after I, I obviously graduated in grade 12 and, you know, and then that was it. Once I graduated, 
graduated, I was kind of, I was kind of off working and doing what I'm doing, but it's not necessarily like that for necessarily everybody, you know? And if I said, look, I'm going to go to university and do, I don't know, do mechanics or carpenter or whatever, they would have supported that too. My parents were always uh, very supportive of, you know, the direction that we went in, you know, at the end of the day. So when you graduated high school, I know you worked at a music store for a while. And uh, was that in a way to stay in the industry to be able to supplement the mu- the income you were making doing music? And- yeah, for sure. Because obviously at that at that time, obviously I was 18 years old or, or whatnot. So, I mean, it, everybody knows what the pay scale is in the bars. When you're playing bar gigs, you know, it, you can make all right. It depends what band you're playing with, how much, if it's corporate or, or whatever the case may be. But for me, I think it was to kind of help supplement that too, right? Because on top of playing, I was starting to get into this whole recording thing that I'm doing now, obviously. So it was kind of a community thing for me too, like being at the music store. I mean, you, you run into a lot of musicians. It was also a, a great way to kind of network and maybe get another gig from that. Just from a, you, I could have sold the guitar to somebody. Next, you know, you're chatting away and hey, my buddy needs some drum tracks done on a thing or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I think one thing always leads to, leads to the other. I think with every with every door, you got to kind of look at it as an option and, and an opportunity. So for me, I needed to work, obviously, because I, I wanted certain things in life. And whether it's buy gear, uh, you know, I wanted to have my own house. Obviously, you know, we were living on our own. We we're touring. We were with a band at that point, too. So, you know, weekend warriors or whatever you want to call it, you take off on the road for three, four days at a time. But when that's done, I still needed to work at the end of the day to make a living, you know, so obviously the music store came in handy there, but in a field that I still loved, I was still around instruments, still around musicians, still around that. Like I said, that whole community was very important to me. So people would assume that if you want to be a musician, you have to keep working at your art. You have to be the best musician, the best guitar player, the best drum player you can. What role do you think that networking comes into play when it is to make a living being a musician? I think it's huge. You could see a musician out there really doing well, you know, making a good living. And there's musicians out there that as far as technically is, is how they are capable to play their instrument are twice as good, if not 10 times as good. And I'm sure some people are scratching their head saying, how did he get that gig and why is he making four or $500 a night. I should make four or $500 a night or whatever the case may be. I think networking, being very personable, being open, your attitude towards life in general. So yes, you have to be good at your craft because if you're going to sell yourself in a sense of like, Hey, are you able to do the job? And you say yes, and then I show up and I'm not able to do the job, even though I'm a nice guy. Well, okay, well it's like, okay, well, we're going to have to get the guy that's going right. to do the job. But they are people that are very capable of doing the jobs, but sometimes they'll hit that brick wall because they don't know how to network, socialize. You kind of got to be a chameleon too. You got to be open to suggestions. You got to be open to, you know, sometimes people saying, oh, that ain't so good and you got to swallow it or whatever the case may be. But networking is very, very huge because I always found off a one gig, there's always another gig that comes off. And if you're a very personable person and very easy to get along with in your team player, number one, team player in anything, if you can do that, yes, you still have to be good at your craft, but you're gaining that much more opportunities and job opportunities because people want to work with people that are team players. People want to be surrounded with that. I know me, I want to be around people that are happy. I want to I want to play with people that enjoy what they do because I did. I played in many bands. Sometimes I played in bands where it's like, holy Mac, you get that one person in the band is just like dead weight. You know what I mean? It's just like great player. But at the end of the day, negative energy can just break it. Right. Yeah. So I think it's very, very important, you know, and you are a very social guy. You're 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 fun to be around. You're smiling a lot. So was it natural for you to be in that networking scene or did you work on things to get that done? 
it's kind of natural. I kind of get that. And I think it's just from our family and our upbringing because my dad's a very social guy too. And again, I think being around that environment, even at a young age, you know, like I said, my parents would practice and he'd practice at our house. Obviously is where the practices would, would happen. So I'd already be kind of socializing and hanging out with like the bandmates that are in my dad's band, right? Or, or vice versa. I always tend to be around people that are older than me, not necessarily because you know, it was forced upon me or anything. It's just, or by choice, it was just, it just happened to be. So you just, you know, you end up, you're talking, you know, talking shop. You know, I used to love going to the music store when I was seven or eight years old, just to go there to hang out and talk to the musicians that were out there gigging that I was looking up to. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, someday I want to be able to play in, you know, just playing a bar at that point. It was, was great. It wasn't so much of like, okay, I got to tour the world right now, but I was eight years old, but I just like being around that area of talking and learning and absorbing. And like I said, that whole community of stuff, you know, it's just like music is definitely something that can be uh, for someone who's introverted can be an out, you know, can be something he would want to do. So let's say someone is listening and he's a very introverted person has a hard time going out and, you know, being smiley and socializing with everyone. Do you think there's anything he could do to try to increase his odds of, you know, finding musicians to play with or, or finding gigs or things like that? Like, how would an introverted person go into the well, world? I think, of- I think, especially now with the social network, I mean, you can kind of see where shows are going on, but I think it's try to get out, you know, and, and it's it's easy to kind of stay in your your little world and play and all that kind of stuff. But I think by going out and supporting other local acts and supporting other people that, that music, just by being around that, you know, at the end of the day, people are going to say, Oh, you know, you, you can go two or three shows. Next thing you know, somebody recognize you from seeing you at a show. Oh yeah. So what do you think of the band? Oh, Hey, I think you're great or whatever the case may be. But I think kind of going and supporting the local, the local scene, getting your, just being out there, being in the middle of it is very important. You know what I mean? Being a phenomenal musician, but staying in your basement, you'll just always stay in your basement. You know, uh, sometimes it takes a lot of work. Sometimes it takes a lot of courage for that introvert person to kind of get out there. But I think some people think I'm just going to practice, practice, practice in my basement and become really good. And after that, I'm just I'm going to go out and I'm going to play the stages. Well, if nobody knows who you are or nobody actually played with you or nobody socialized with you, you know, why is it all of a sudden? What is it that they're going to say? Oh, there's this guy, I guess, in his basement. That's really, really good. Let's get him in our band. You know what I mean? Like. I know there's YouTube and there's videos and all that kind of stuff, but I think it's very important to get out there. Whether you're actually playing or not, just go out to a show, be a spectator in a show. And by being a spectator at a show, you're obviously going to end up schmoozing with somebody, talking with somebody. Oh, hey, what are you? Oh, I'm a musician. I'm a guitar player. I write, blah, blah. You, you, you know, and within another week or two, you could be co-writing with another musician. Yeah. You know what I mean? And from there, it's like, oh, wow, I really like what you do. I really dig that. Hey, well, look, we got an open mic here at this cafe. Would you be up for coming to sing some of your tunes? Like everything leads to another thing. And I mean, and from that, that just fuels you. All of a sudden, you're feeling good. You're like, oh, wow, like I really enjoyed that. I went and played at this open mic cafe. I show my tunes. I'm an introvert. I was always at my house. I finally got out. People tend to like it. I might want to go and record some of this stuff and make it available in people's hands. So every little step tends to fuel and make you want to do more of it okay. versus just, oh, I'm going to become super good at my craft. Well, being a super good hockey player in your ice rink in your backyard, if you're not going to even go play at a hockey rink with just pick up with anybody, well, you're just that's all you're going to do. So I think it's very important to make yourself visible in getting out there. Okay. You find that, like, interestingly enough, some people get discovered on YouTube though. right now. You can do it in your basement, record it, put For it sure. out. So do you think that's maybe a, a route that people can take or do you think it's still kind of being out in the local industry is easier to get to meet people? And I say, why not do both? 
I think uh, YouTube is great for that. And, and I discover stuff all the time. Like you see some great players. But the one thing, if you're, if I see you out in a bar or if I see you out at a show, I can actually physically touch you in a sense. I can physically talk to you. You know what I mean? It's like you show me a video. That's great. Where do you live? Like, are you, are you in Breton? Are you in Toronto? Or was this video filmed? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I can text you. I'd say, oh, hey, I really, I really like what you do. Join my band. Oh, sorry, man. I'm in Seattle. Oh, too bad. Too bad you're not in Moncton. You know what I mean? So okay. it's, irrelevant but it's just uh i think there's a market it's definitely for sure it can help i mean you know it, there's tons of youtube channels people got you know musicians singers uh it's a great way to kind of have people i think people beyond your your community that you live in which yeah. is it's a great tool so it, let's say i did a drum video tonight well that's great you know people that would have seen me play around here is one thing but somebody in la that didn't see me or somebody that or whatever the case may be so having a youtube video kind of just opens you up to the world somebody in brazil is watching your video and, and that's cool you know in a sense like that but if you want to work and actually make money, earn, well, you, you got to build something up, you know, unless I'm Pepsi and I, you got a millions and millions of views and I want to put my advertisement before your thing and pay you boatloads of money, which I don't know if that happens because even now on iTunes, people get barely paid. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess you can always reach out a bit. If it's hard to reach out in person, start reaching out online, go on YouTube, oh, yeah. send a, send a message to that person who put a video and often to reply. I, I remember I was watching two girls play the harp. I thought it was amazing sent them a message. I think what you're doing is amazing. Uh, continue great work. And they replied, like I talked with them and, and they have like a millions of views, right? And they're still interacting with everybody who's sending them a message. So I thought that was really interesting to see that sometimes you think these people are outside of your reach when really they want to connect with people. Like, they want to connect with people. I think, I think it's just how to do it. But that's why I say sometimes go support your local talent instead of being jealous that others are out there playing or whatever the case, go out there and watch and be part of that service. Because I find some people that are really good, again, going back to YouTube, like I could be really good and put a video and get tons of good comments and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times you can take that same player, put them on a stage and it's a different ball game because that's, oh, now I got to, I'm in front of people. Now I, I like, I got to interact with other musicians. So my answer is still at the end of the day is get out there, fail, get out there, play in public. There's still no better way than playing live. And how are you ever going to play live if you're never seen live? You know what I mean? I could be good playing to my drum track, my click track music, and look at me. I got gospel chops up the yang, playing drum fills up the yang, which is great. But actually earn a living doing that or as a singer, whatever the case may be. It's like you got to get out there. Bottom line, I think it's very, very important. Make yourself as it's hard as like I said. Some people are introvert. They can't get out there. Well, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're going to stay like that, you're just going to find it a lot harder to deal with doing that. You know what I mean? So it's I don't know. It's like got to get out there and touch people and meet people i think it's very very important not i'm not declining doing the youtube thing still do that but do both why not why not do both cool so you have a, a big recording side to your thing as well not only are you a musician but you have a studio and that you've been recording many bands from the area yep. so how did that come about was that something you were passionate about as well or was it a way to, to kind of maybe make a bit more income in the music industry that you were passionate about no i was always always intrigued about production i guess albums and you know obviously your favorite albums that you listen to it's it's the music is what coming gets you but with that music there's there's the engineers behind it that kind of take that music and make it become alive and make it come vibrant this behind the scenes you know the, the the people that make some of those albums that are just magical it's like yes the band wrote the great song and they performed it well but sometimes people don't realize you know without maybe that 
producer or maybe without that that mixer that mix that tune just perfectly not saying that you would not like the song but maybe because of that the song came and got you even more because how it was mixed like i just i was always intrigued about how albums were recorded and the productions on it. and that came a little bit later but how it started actually was because me and my brother had a four track when we were really young and we were just recorded for ourselves you know what i mean just to try to make our albums you know our little recording sound as good as what you buy in the store but when I was 14, I actually got hired by a local band that wanted to do demo and said, hey, you know, I guess you got a four track. Can you come and record our band? So I didn't necessarily know what I was doing. I mean, I was just, again, I was around it because my dad and him had a band. I was watching. I'd go set up shows with them all the time. I knew a little bit about sound. So I was just kind of hopped into it feet first, not really knowing exactly where I was going, but I was open to learn. I was open to try, open to actually get paid to go record a band. It was, I think it was probably 400 bucks for the whole album or whatever it was, or EP. But at that time at 14, you know, they're trusting me to, you know, mic up their instruments and get some sounds and, and record their project. Did you ever feel the imposter syndrome? Like, who am I to be recording these guys? You're 14 years old. And sometimes, like- yeah, oh, for definitely for sure. Cause you're thinking, well, why don't they just go to a recording studio, you know, at the end of the day, but through friends and they knew, you know, we, a couple of them I knew in the band and, and again, socializing, personable, you enjoy being around that person, you enjoy their music, same thing, oh, hey man, you're a cool hang or whatever, would you be up for recording the band? It's, were you scared? Like, were you scared uh, of failure or? Scared of putting out, yeah, well, scared of failure in a sense of like, again, because I was so new to me, like, you know, if, am I going to delete a track? Am I going to record over something? Or like, when I come to mixes, it's going to sound good because uh, they're paying you for it, right? Exactly. And you're just hoping that the product that you give them that they're going to be like, wow, this is great, you know, or it could be like, oh, Maybe we should have went to a studio. You know what I mean? Because at that point, I was recording in their basement, in their jam spot. You're just bringing some recording gear in there and let's go, you know? But that was, I think, a point for me to kind of get my feet wet into it and just jump, like I said, jump in head first and hope for the best. And good came out of it because it actually turned out pretty good at that time back in the late 80s there. And I mean, there wasn't really much unless you had lots of money to record to go to a real studio. Like that was it. Like people were doing tapes. It was all on cassette, right? So, but it was a band that was obviously known. They you know they're playing the, the university circuits and all that kind of stuff. They put out the album. It was like, oh, who did this? You know, so and so far. And people was like, ah, oh, it's a good recording, you know? So from that, I ended up getting more. A little work of those little demos again other bands like yeah we like to do a three song demo to get gigs so it's kind of getting in that little world you know of doing that kind of stuff and now you you have your full-blown studio here yeah. was it difficult decision to say that i'm gonna invest money now you know serious amounts of money into something that could make or break me in the sense because if this fails like you you've invested yeah yeah i think so at, at a certain point you know it's for sure because obviously during this time like once i started working at the music store like i said i worked there for uh you know 15 years and it was great again because the community and, and the staff that i was working with was awesome you know i had an awesome boss for the 15 years which was which was great uh because he never i never felt that he ever restricted me of doing music so if i had to leave for two weeks and go on the road i left and went on the road for two weeks and i came back still had my full-time gig so it was kind of the best of both worlds but i guess later on in life for sure like once i start getting into okay i think i'm gonna start buying some gear and again when i started getting into it to really start buying gear to record it was still kind of more for self-use because either the band i was playing in at the time we want to record it now and we're like ah, you know because i played in a band where i went in studio and we blew 25 grand and recorded an album and you know now you got to try to sell albums to pay the twenty five thousand dollar album that you recorded uh, yada yada so with this other band obviously we just kind of thought well maybe let's try doing it ourselves and that me and my brother were kind of like you know we always did it anyways and there were some things that we didn't like about even after spending 25 grand on an album we still weren't necessarily happy with the outcome we're like ah it could have sounded better could have been this whatever the case you're always tone chasing you're always looking for that so i started buying gear really for the 
for self-indulgent, I guess, for my for myself and doing our own album. So we did. We recorded one of our own albums. From there, after that, I start, you know, getting people are getting interested into, oh, hey, you know, would you be interested in recording my album? You know, whatever. So, you know, Tracy Star album came about and all that kind of stuff. So from then, I think after doing the Tracy Star album is probably what opened up the door in a sense of like, geez, I'd like to do more of this. And, you know, because again, I was still working at the music store. So I'm doing a 50 hour work week there and then working, you know, at the time I had the studio in my basement. I was living in Riverview back at the time. So we put out our album, start working on the Tracy Star. And then from that, let's just again, and then you talk to people. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're recording these guys. And again, from the music store, you're running into people, you're talking, you get a studio. So the music store, again, it was a very great networking aspect for that thing because people would see me, touch me, not just I'm this guy that's in the virtual world that I can text. I could literally strike up a conversation with somebody and talk to them. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I got I got a band out in Mary Machine. That's great. And they're looking for a place to record. And I happen to have some samples with me. Well, let's go over to the studio corner. I'll play you some of my stuff. Or enough, you end up getting more work. So from there, I think is where kind of start opening up the door. Where I was like, you know, what? I'd really like to. I was starting to really fall in love uh, with with the production end of things. I guess at the end of the day, and and the more that I was getting better at it, or whatever the case, again chasing sound, wanting to get better, try to put better quality products all the time, and try to you know work my way up. Where you're working with you know bands and musicians that you know that are as well well respected, so that you feel lucky that you get the chance to work with them too, right? So it's like, but yeah, it's definitely a build up. It got scary more scary thing more towards the end when I kind of like again working 50 hours a week doing 30 hours here at the studio and we moved out here to Memorand Cook where I actually built an actual recording studio next to the house keep in mind I was still working at the store but the day where I had to say okay well you know if I want to do this full time the only way to really do something full time is I'm going to have to leave something you know it was tough because again I had to leave a job that I was at for 15 years which I had an awesome boss that nurtured and supported what I did musically but at the end of the day it wasn't so much about the people the people were always great but at the end of the day if I wanted to do more of this, I had to make myself more available to do this. And that's, that's, you're always going to get at that crossroad at some point where you're like, okay, well, you know, when you pull a plug and you say, that's it, I quit. Like there's no UI, there's no nothing. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. You just built a new home and a new studio. Like it was scary because literally within three months, if nothing panned out, I could have just said, okay, let's put the four sale sign on the, on the front line. Cause I can't afford the payments. Cause I didn't, I didn't record nothing, you know, or the bands that said they're going to come and record maybe pull the plug. So there was a lot of that going on because I had three albums lined up. And with that in my mind was like, okay, I'm taking a risk. And with any, I think with any success, there, there has to be risk somewhere. You know what I mean? In, in life, whether it's music, whether it's, you're going out of limb because you're going to be the next builder of building a subdivision. Whatever, there's risk somewhere. The ones that succeed are going to take that risk. You know what I mean? And and you have to accept the fact that you might fail, and that's always scary. It is. So for me, it's like okay, I got three albums. Well, I got three albums that they said they're going to come record. I'm lined up, but they can pull the plug. So I went on that as quitting my job. I'm like, okay, I'm going to quit my job, and I'm just going to hope after I'm done those three albums, there's going to be more albums coming in to record. <laughs> You know, and that's scary. <laughs> was it organic? Did, did you just build it and they came or was there a lot of marketing? Did you have to learn about marketing? No, it was or, very but, organic, actually. It was, and still to this day, and maybe, you know, maybe I should, but I, I never did any uh, advertising in, in a sense of like, okay, I should do a radio advertised or, you know, or on Facebook pay for advertising because you can and, and you put yourself in the sponsored stuff, but it was very organic. Again, word of mouth, being out there, being in a public and still while doing the studio stuff, don't get me wrong, I was still playing, you know, gigging out there. So the fact that I was out there again, whether you're in the, a bar, whether you're at a cafe, with, like being out there, being, you know, in people's 
surroundings is very was very very important okay. and word of mouth if you did a good job and you, and you worked hard to try to achieve you know levels you have to set levels for yourself too you know you have to set yourself a bar like okay i gotta get this project i want this to be this level if not i, I, I didn't succeed or whatever you know and, that, and that's very important because if you go above and beyond for your client and they were happy then why would they talk bad about it they're going to talk to their friends and their musician friends oh you want to work with these guys go see this guy so yeah, it's very, very important. So were there times where you were kind of wondering, is this going to work out? Or you, you seem to say that it kind of organically that it worked out, but what kind of roadblocks did you hit that you had to, to go through? There's still roadblocks because at the end of the day, it's like it, it happened organically. But I think when you work for yourself or your your business, you're, there's always those times. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I had a good year this year. What's next year? And you're looking at your year, your calendars. Okay, well, geez, last year I had way more stuff booked, no more albums. So you do get scared sometimes. Am I going to be busy this year? Am I only going to have a couple albums? Am I going to do 10? Am I going to do two? Like, it's really unseen. Or like, you, you don't know. It's like you kind of every year I might have a couple things lined up, but you know, you still don't know because there's so much stuff that just pops out last minute those are kind of the scary part stuff i guess you know because you kind of have to when you do get a good project you get a bank for the times where it may be slow so that you're not freaking out you know (laughs) (laughs) how are we gonna pay for stuff but uh yeah i think there's always that and also the other thing too is how can i advance myself that's still even to this day i'm always like what next i'm always scared to get too comfortable i mean too comfortable in a sense of like you know you get your thing you do what you do you're very at ease in what you do that scared that where I'm going to feel it's not challenging anymore or that I might lose that desire to do something else or, or do and not necessarily do something else like go build cards. But I'm just like do something else within the, the studio world or, or gigging. Like what else can I do next? Like you always always looking for that aspect that the better myself is there. You know, there are other ways of especially now with the Internet, you know, there's a lot of video content. There's a lot of stuff. There's always things, other outlooks. I'm like, well, maybe you should maybe get more in that world of stuff because you almost got to re- not reinvent yourself, but you got to be very open for how uh, the music industry is changing. It's changed huge. Even in the past 12 years since I started recording, changed a lot. It's like I went to go buy CDs because somebody wanted me to burn them a mix on a CD and you can't find a stack of CDs at Walmart. <laughs> like yeah. literally. Yeah. So, but it's just an example of things are changing and people are being able to record at, at home so, and people are good at it too, you know, and getting great results. So that's a scary part of the business, you know, like, but especially now, People are not really making money off of CDs anymore. Not too much anymore. There's very few. So if you're in the business of making these CDs, then that definitely comes the the scary aspect of it. But there's always going to be people wanting to record their music in a way or another. And how can you put that in maybe a different context? Take your expertise that you learned here. Yeah, yeah. And and in a different way. So do you have a long-term plan because of this ever-changing industry of music? Like, what do you see in 10 years, you know? 10 years, I don't know, man. It's going to be kind of scary if you think about it. I guess I try not to overanalyze or overthink it in a negative way because you can do that in many businesses. You know, at the end of the day, what's the long-term plan of having a cashier? Because, hey, we're we're self-checking out now, right? So what is it going to be for those jobs? Is there going to be a day that you're not going to have to have a cashier at McDonald's? You know, like, but I think you still have to wake up and still be hopeful, I guess, at the end of the day that there's going to be still work for us in some way, shape or form. I don't know, you know, whether it's going to be playing more. I mean, now it's more playing live anyways for many bands. Like where do they make their income now? It is touring. You know, that's why they you're paying the $150 ticket price for a concert. As you said, it CD sales are not there. Everybody's either on Apple tunes or whatever, man. You know, it's, it's people are downloading. Stuff like yeah. Yeah. People are just listening to it. And you know, the artist gets literally point zero point zero point two percent of like a penny for every play. 
So yeah, if, as a studio owner, you know, you kind of sit there and say, okay, well, are people actually going to still go to studios anymore and record? Or are they just going to do everything self-sufficient at the house? Because, you know, I'm kind of scared in the sense of music's just becoming background music in a sense of like, it's just there, you know, because people even listen to music in a different way, right? So uh, whether off their iPhone or just off some Bluetooth speaker they bought for 30 bucks, like that whole experience of sitting down in the living room and listening to a record and through really nice speakers, like in the old days, that's what it would be. You'd sit there and listen to the album and go, wow, wow. What a production, you know, people don't have time for that. Right. So, and a lot of these big, big studios, you're seeing them close, like they're, they're shutting down. So it's for sure as a studio owner, you see that and say, okay, well, geez, where, where am I going to be in 10 years from now? But again, I'm still very hopeful. I'm still been very, very lucky. I, I felt my blessings that I get to do this. You know what I mean? I think it's just important to still try to learn and, and be open to the changes. Yeah. If you don't hop on the bandwagon with the changes, then yeah, you'll you'll end up dying. You'll end up failing at some point, whether you accept those changes or not. I still like the fact of like, hey, let's get musicians in a room and let's do this live off the floor. I love that aspect. But unfortunately, a lot of stuff is like, okay, we did these tracks. You drop box a track to some guy in Montreal who's going to play the lead and somebody else is going to do the keyboard track who lives in Halifax, yada, yada. At the end result, the listener's like, wow, this is a great album. Yeah, because they're all top guys, but nobody actually physically played in the same room together. Why? Because financially, it's just not possible. We can't charge that amount of money. If I want to get those players here, you would have to pay their drive down here. You have to pay a hotel for that keyboard player to play in your album. So as artists are making less money or no money at all, it's we're kind of losing a little bit of that aspect of actually like, hey, let's all go in a room together and make music. You're going to get some people that refuse to kind of hop on that bandwagon and that's fine. But you got to you got to be very open to the ever changing of, well, it's just we it's the way we make music now. We are in a digital world now. You know, it's like tape is awesome. It is. It's great. Oh, we are in a digital world. And even though you record on tape, I'll tell you one thing. It's still going to end up as an MP3 file. <laughs> it still is. So once it's compressed in MP3 file, it's an MP3 file. So whether you record it on a hard drive or on a reel or reel or on an ADAT, I'm sorry, still going to end up on an MP3 coming through a crappy pair of earbuds that somebody bought at Walmart for five cents. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> all that to get, you know, if it was the old days where people actually listened to stuff and had real stereo systems in your house. Yeah. Then you hear the difference of like, oh, wow, this is organic and this is, you know, but unfortunately that's just what we're in and we don't have control on that. It's just society's gone that way. We, we, you know, it's like buying an album. It's like, click. Oh, I just, I just got the album done. You know, that experience of going to a music store. I, I miss that. You know, I'm going to go to Sand the Record Man or going to go to Radio Land or all these places that exist at HMV and actually put my hands on something. But who knows? Like vinyl has been going up in recent years, right? That's people true. People are buying more and more vinyl. So maybe people like you are missing those days that you get the. Maybe it's us. Yeah. Our generation's like, I'm going to go buy myself stereo speakers in a, in a turntable. It's true. Yeah. That's yeah, so, true. So who knows? Maybe in 10 years you're recording vinyl again, right? It could be. It totally could be. And that's and that's it. So maybe the digital end, but that's going to be a whole new product again. Maybe we'll be going back to the old school way and that's going to be the in thing to do. Yeah. At the end of the day, just be open to the change and embrace it, you know? So having that positive attitude, like you're saying, you just roll with the punches, you go where it is. So is it something you can develop or you you just born that way? I think you can develop it. I think everything is about your thinking. I can wake up today and say, I'm going to have a shitty day. Yeah. I can wake up and, t- and say, today is going to be a good day. Whatever life throws at you. So when life does throw something at you, you can either be like, oh, that's it. My day's shot. That's it. And I'm done. Everybody's like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to deal with it. Okay. Keep on moving. 
I think it can be, you know, some people are obviously more optimistic people. It's, it's normal. Some have to work a little harder to be optimistic. It's not just, you know, wake up and do that. But I think it's still your thinking. Your thinking's like that. And your, your thinking can stop you from succeeding at something or not. You know, if I would have had much more doubt, if I would have had a little more fear in me when I came to the point of quitting a job that I've been at for 15 years, that they wanted me to stay, it would just would have had to have that one more percent of fear. I wouldn't have been doing this. Because there's always that doubt. There'll always be doubt. And there'll always be fear. So if you're not open to just like, all right, F it. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. And it, and, and it is. It's, it's, it's a weird it's a weird position to be in. But it's scary. But if I wouldn't have made that plunge, well, we wouldn't be talking today about me doing this full time, you know, at the end of the day. So I think it was just, you know, having your thing straight and reading good. Like I was at that period, I remember I was reading a lot of good books. So what kind of books, what, what kind of books and resources did you use to grab that mentality or oh, stuff like the magic of thinking big. There was another one. I forget who the author was, but 12 pillars. Just, it was just like uh, of people, you know, just, and it's all about that, about your thinking and, and, and other people that succeeded doing their business. Not necessarily music business, just business in general. People living from their passion, I guess, at yeah. the end of the day, I admired that. So when you hear their, it's just reading their stories. It, it fuels you, you know? Be around positive people. It makes you happy, right? So it's like, if I want to be a millionaire, well, am I going to go hang out with a guy that's a millionaire and has ways as an example? Or am I going to go hang out at Tim Hortons where people are depressed and hang out with them every day? Well, you're never going to achieve to get there unless you're hanging around, you're surrounding yourself with those people. You know, I think it's, or reading, or I don't know, I think it's just very important, you know? So do you see it in your studio when you're having all these artists come into your studio, record an album? Can you see that? Some people have the positive mentality and seem to be getting more success. Did you, were you able to observe that or not? I would say so. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially even on the outcome of the project. If you're surrounded with that, like, and I try to surround the artists with, with musicians that are at the end of the day that are going to be excited to play on that artist's album. And that's very, very important. So the artists, when they come in, like, wow, man, I got this great team behind me. They're more pumped up. They're more fueled. They're more proud. So when they get out there to put it out and show show it to people, then it's just, it's more of a, you know, it's a snowball effect of, of good yeah. versus if they came in and they felt it's a struggle, if they don't feel good enough. Or let's say, now sometimes you do get some artists that are maybe not, as far as musicianship wise, not everybody's equal as far as in a sense of like, one could be, you know, the amazing musician, singer, or songwriter, and the other one's like an okay singer, songwriter, but they shouldn't feel any less coming into the studio. I think they're, I think the experience of being able to record, it should still be a positive one for them to help motivate them to keep on going versus, you know, it could be like, yeah, you're good, but hey, the guy we had in last week, you should hear him, man. He was awesome. Well, how did I just make that guy feel? Yeah. Why does he want to keep on writing right now? If you, you know, so I don't know. It's like that with musicians too. It's not necessarily the best musicians that are actually playing in bands. The ones that are playing in bands are the ones that are open to learn, and the ones that are actually good good enough to good enough to do the job. And sometimes putting ten of the best musicians in a world class musician doesn't make a great band. Sometimes it just takes one wicked musician, singer, songwriter, and three mediocre musicians, but the band together, it just works. And it's and to me that's golden, you know? So it's it's just important to, to try to help and support and be a positive experience. I think that's that's the was a key for people that I work with. I just want the I want them to feel positive in whatever way that I played a role, whether it's drumming on their album or recording it or or just even talking talking about it, whatever the case may be, you know, just look at the positive side of it, you know, versus like you said, it's getting, oh, hey, you download it. Cause I could tell people, you know what? Don't bother. Go grab another <laughs> job. Don't be a singer songwriter. 
just go do something else because there's no money in it. Some people are, will be blunt and say it that way. Like, we made the money back in the 60s and 70s and 80s when people were buying millions of albums. Those days are gone. So if you want to go out there and starve, go ahead, be a singer-songwriter. But maybe that person really wants it. And maybe there is still money out there. You know what I mean? It's right. just it's just, it's just just done differently. It's just, I don't want to discourage people from their passion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And is it was it something that somebody told you at one point that kind of resonated with you? Or what would you say is the great advice that you've received at one point that stayed with you throughout your career as a musician and as a reporter? In what I do, as far as, you know, is, is being a, a hired musician and, and doing a recording, I think it was just being versatile and being open. I think was always the main thing. It just embrace life. Wake up every day, ready and open arms to what's out there. I think it's don't don't be closed minded was was always the same. It was one thing that I know my dad always told me. It's like you have to if you want to do this then you have to be open to different things, you know. In a day, whether it's maybe not your favorite thing, but there's something good that's going to either come out of it or lead to the next thing, you know. And I think it's like that in many things in life. There's always with each door that opens, you know, one might close, whatever the case may be, but there's always something else. Yeah. So something like that. Let's say you, in the music industry, you could say, well, somebody wants you to play drums on a country album. You're like, I'm not doing country, but yeah. keeping an open mind, maybe that country album can bring you other things that you're actually looking for. That's exactly it. Fulfillment and other work, or you might you might end up liking country. Though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I found myself, I actually enjoy many styles of music because of it. If you would ask me to play in a country band back when I was 12, I was like, no, I want to play Metallica music yeah. or Kiss. Like, it's, and I'm still a rocker at heart because I listen to, I listen to rock, you know, many, many parts of my years, but I listen to all kinds of stuff. Now, a lot of times I listen to jazz and, and stuff that I don't necessarily record on just as a, as an escape or just to nourish my brain, the brain food. You know what I mean? It since with something else, you know? So how can you keep in learning once you are at, you know, you're doing well what do you do to keep learning at your craft i think surrounding myself with players that i look up to uh there's there's tons of great players and tons of great singer songwriters trying to surround myself and being able to you know make myself available i think that's a big part it's just make yourself available make myself available to want to either play with them or do shows or record their projects even if it's stuff that i never done what I love to practice more, like if I think about practicing as a drummer, yeah, I, I definitely would because I, I don't get enough of that because obviously I'm working more and you're always recording or playing somebody else's music. So there's a little part of me that I do miss that, you know, actually getting better, just, you know, woodshedding, you know, like we said to the guy in the basement, that's woodshedding and posting YouTube videos. Yeah. There, I'm not saying there's not an important part to that. There is an important part to that, but I think it, it's all, everything plays a role. You can't, you, you can't have your cake and eat it neither. I think it's just <laughs> try to find a, find a balance somewhere is that you can kind of learn and, and grow, you know, right. it's just... So have you always been so busy or did you have time where you had to kind of fight procrastination and do you still kind of deal with yeah, I still do sometimes yeah and it's easy to, to procrastinate sometimes you know and it's I have procrastination you know tendencies sometimes yeah. I'm like oh, I'll do that later you know I get that it's just it's just normal but I still have to fight that sometimes and it's and it's maybe more you know, because obviously working in a studio, like I'm not always surrounded by the artists. I'm not always surrounded by the musicians that are here where, you know, you get the social aspect, right? You're working, you're tracking a fiddle track or you're tracking a guitar track. You're in the moment, right? There is the aspect of, okay, now I have to mix this. You know, I have to mix the album and make it sound what the, the client's looking for that project's going to sound like. Well, when you do that, you do that alone, you know? So those are the tendencies sometimes where I find I, I'll I procrastinate. You know what I mean, it's like, you know, you're in the middle of a mix or you're bouncing down a mix. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm going to check my email. And next thing you know, 30 minutes later, like, ah, get off your phone. You know what I mean? So, and it, cause either you checked your email or you, you responded to a text or a message. And next thing you know, you end up seeing a news feed and then you're watching a video on something or whatever. So I, I tend to <laughs> have to, 
take the phone out of my control room and put it in the kitchen so it's not there's distraction, right? I think it's kind of society of today because whether you're at the grocery store and you're waiting in line, we all have the tendencies like, oh, I'll check my email or I'll check my... So sometimes I have to kind of, you know, or like I said, uh, the scary part of, you know, when you get too comfortable, sometimes I get those periods like, hey, what next? You know, like, uh, you know, I still want to still want the studio to evolve and also evolve as a musician. I, I still want it. I guess it's always, always chasing and it's no different than somebody just plays live or or even being a master carpenter where you're building furniture. You, I think we're all as, as people. There's always that chasing of excitement. How do I keep it exciting? Is always right. that's if there's a challenge, that's what it is, you know, because it's easy. It's like, you know, if you're re- recording the same style of music where it's sometimes it's like, okay, you know, I need to need to do. So there's always that, you know, or how do I make mixing exciting for me again, you know, or whatever. So it's whether it's bettering yourself or trying, you know, by trying a different plugin or a different reverb or whatever the case may be, whatever it is that tickles your fancy to make it exciting. Those are probably obstacles. I think that anybody can, you know, that works. How do you keep, how do you keep your job exciting? Whether it's like your passion, try to, you know, those are little obstacles that you got to kind of stop, snap yourself out of sometimes and pinch yourself and say, Hey man, you got it. You're lucky. Keep on doing it. That, that alone should be exciting that yeah. you have to wake up and do what you love doing, you know? But it is some part. And I just a few episodes ago with Mark Black, he said that uh, if working in your passion was hard, he says, yes, it's work. If you ask anyone, are you passionate about your kids? Everybody's going to say yes. But then you ask them, is it easy? No. Nobody's going to, you know? <laughs> it's not no so even if you are passionate about what you do there's still so you're still struggling with procrastination there's still a, a work aspect to it that you yeah. need discipline yeah. to do right yeah and everybody you work with as much as i try to make it a pleasant experience and an exciting one for people that i work with not necessarily every single one is necessarily uh everybody that i get the chance to work with is not necessarily easy for me in a sense of like oh it's a piece of cake oh it's, this is easy there's work involved in that because yeah. there's also the pressure of, you know, the onus is on you to make my album be great too, yeah. you know, sometimes the, if you're producing it or whatever. So there's a labor of love in there too. And, and if it's, let's say you're working on a project that musically that you may not be as familiar with, you know what I mean? In a sense of like, it might be a different style of music. You know, there's the little scared, scared, uh, you know, it's like, okay, this guy's trusting me with his craft. Not necessarily music that I'm really familiar with, but you're trying to be open and, and learn. And but at the end of the day, there's also it, there's there's a labor of love in that. So yeah. as much as you're having fun, there's also that it can be tough sometimes, you know, because it's not something that it's not autopilot. That's oh, right. I got you know some music are like ah, piece of cake. I can do this in my sleep and I drink ten coffees and twenty beers and it'll be great. You know what I mean, but there's other stuff, you know, or you can work with people that are more opinionated or a little more. Not everybody's easygoing. Even yeah. though I'm, I might be easygoing, not everybody's easygoing that you work with. So you got to be able to i gotta play chameleon too sometimes you know you gotta try to be in their circle in their way of things oh some people are more meticulous or they might be focusing on something that's really to me like really you hear a problem i don't hear a problem with that at all or vice versa right some people might pinpoint uh, defects or looking at they're looking at their faults you know what i mean so it's like try to guide them through so there's also, you know, even though you do what you love doing, it's still work. You know, being on the road is still work. I love to tour. I love to be able to go play gigs and, and experience the whole road thing. But there's work. It's not every day that's like, oh, great. I'm in another hotel room today. And not every hotel room is going to be, you know, the Ritz Carlton or, or whatever. It's it's yeah. part of it. You're not always eating, you know, fine cuisine. Yeah. Sometimes the road food that you're eating is, you know, Chez Jeanette somewhere <laughs> is in, 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 in Nigwak. And that's the only restaurant there is. So, yeah, yeah what are you having? Oh, clubhouse sandwich and fries. Yeah. Really, you like to have a good, healthy meal, you know, to, as we're getting older, yeah. you know, to try to keep ourselves, you know, but sometimes it's just, it is what it is. So I can either complain about it and be whiny or just say, hey, 
roll with the punches. Maybe tomorrow we'll be in a city where I can get for salad. You know what I mean? Like that's how you got to look at it. Awesome. So as a closing remark, if anybody wants to make a living in music, either maybe recording or playing music, is there what's your top advice that you give to a new musician coming in to record an album, being a bit unsure about the industry? What kind of wisdom can you impart on these people? You got to follow your heart at the end of the day. I mean, you have to be true to yourself. I mean, there's artists. I mean, you'll see it. Like, oh, I think I'm going to write this music here because I think that's what's going to be popular. Yeah, but you're not being true to yourself because if you do that and you fail, not only have you failed in a sense of like nobody bought your album and liked it, but you don't even like it. So I think it's being true to yourself and yeah, it's going to be scary sometimes. Is there a guarantee? There's never any guarantee. I don't think there's any guarantee in anything in life, but there is a guarantee if you work hard at what it is that you're, that you want to accomplish, uh, never give up. You know, that's guaranteed. You can't, you can't give up on it because when you do, well, okay, that's what it is, but be, be true to yourself in that sense as an artist or a musician or whatever the case may be and be open, be open to learn, take it in, be a sponge is very important. Like there's so many things I find, like if I, if I could tell you, this is the key. Yeah. There's no, there's just, there's no key. It's just, it's just, you have to, you have to take it all in the good and the bad and the ugly. It's, it's all there. Cause you're going to, you're going to cross paths with people that might jade you to think of like, I ain't working in this industry again because you end up working with somebody that just jaded you of, of, you know, whatever it could be a producer, could be a musician that played in one of your bands. It could be somebody at your gig saying, I don't like your music. You suck. You know, get off stage. And that's going to happen. But the ones that succeeded at the end of the day are the ones that can look past that and still you know, look at what it is that you want to do and stay true to yourself and still move forward and, and all your passion. That's, awesome. you know, that's that's the key, man. Awesome. Stick well, with it. <laughs> thank you, Danny. I really appreciate your time coming on the show. I think uh, you brought a lot of value and I think people are going to enjoy this. So. I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Have a good day. Thanks for sticking around till the end of the interview with Danny Bourgeois. This was my second time interviewing Danny as I interviewed him before for a French show I do. And he's always such a fun time to be around. So I really hope that you enjoyed the interview as much as I enjoyed making it. Being such a fun guy, it's easy to see why networking has done so much for him in the music world. But really, I'm surprised that more people don't mention how networking and the people they've met impacted their business or their success a whole lot. Because I've read so many things that mention how networking is really important. And there's something that says that you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And I think that's very strong in the way that if you hang out with successful people, chances are that you'll find success as well. So I can totally see how getting out there and playing in front of people and meeting different people who play music in your local area is really good to establish yourself as a musician. It's also not only about going to the gigs. It was fun to see the role that the music store played in Danny's career and how going to the music store and networking there as well as working there and meeting all sorts of different people who played music in the area played a really crucial role in his success. Lastly, a key for all this networking to go well is like Danny mentioned is you want to have a positive attitude and be a team player because that's the kind of people that people want to be around, right? That being said, I really enjoyed Danny's closing remark and how he said you have to be true to yourself. And that makes me wonder about the whole networking spot, right? If you're really someone who's introverted and not a social butterfly, to try to force that, that's not really being true to yourself. So maybe for you, the YouTube route and trying to network online is would be much better suited and would actually work better for you versus Danny, who is a social butterfly and it doesn't have that kind of problem of going in person and talking with different people. So I am curious about that on if it does work out for people who are naturally introverted to push themselves into network, if that's not really their thing. So I'm wondering, what do you guys think? Do you think someone should really push himself to be 
outgoing and to go out and network with people if that's not really who he is inside? Or do you think that maybe there's other ways around that kind of networking problem that if you are an introverted person, you can do it online or do it in other ways that will work best for you? So I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would really appreciate it. If you would share it with one person, if you shared it with two, I would love you. And I really want to connect with you guys. So if you want to join the private Facebook group, you can find it at hiredbypassion.com slash Facebook. Join the group and connect with me. I really want to know what you guys are struggling with and how I can help you reach your goals. So thanks and catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Hired by Passion podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. 